0: Good morning, my name is Stephen Salvis and it is my privilege to uh, serve on the elder team and to preach this morning. I am continuing my uh, series, we are in week number 10 in a series through the first six chapters of 1 Corinthians. It's a series that I've entitled... Uh, the Christ-centered church, a plea for unity. I was saved when I was nine years old uh, by God's wonderful grace. Uh, At Landover Hills Baptist Church, Pastor Carmen Hartsfield was my pastor. I've mentioned him uh, before. He is a giant of a man to me. Um, I was having lunch with him. Uh, a little over a year ago, and we got to talking about uh, uh, preaching. And he said when he was in seminary, he's in his 80s now, and he's a retired Southern Baptist pastor. Uh, When he was in seminary, um, professors taught four topics When it comes to topical preaching, four things that you can never go wrong on. The four S's, the four S's of preaching. Okay? Sin, salvation, sanctification, and second coming. Those four, you will never go wrong. But then he said this. We've lost one of the S's. Pastors are afraid to preach about sin because they don't want to offend anyone in the church. We're talking about sin today. Uh, And if you remember at the end of uh, last week. Um, I forewarned you, I want to do this again. Some of you may be new. Uh, Some of you may have missed last week. If you have young children uh, here today, uh, the topic of discussion is sexual sin and incest. It will be respectful Uh, It will be biblical. There'll be no uh, jokes about this. This isn't funny. There'll be no opinion either. It's very serious. But if you do not believe your little ones who've remained in the room are not ready for this, there is children's church, there's a nursery, uh, there are places they can go, and I encourage you as parents to consider that uh, because... Uh, We're really going to go deep today. Uh, And I've really been praying over this. Uh, I've wrestled over this message, as a matter of fact. So uh, you may do that now. And as you do, others of you, please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It's on page 954 in the uh, Bible in front of you. If you would like to use that, page nine hundred fifty four, First Corinthians, Chapter Five. The Bible says this, Verse One It is reported commonly that. There is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Turn over to chapter 6 for me, please. And look at verse 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly, and the belly for meats, for God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord, and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Lord, I'm so thankful for your presence. So thankful for your faithfulness. And I'm thankful for your word. Flood this place with your Holy Spirit, dear God, please. Overwhelm us with the truth of your word. This is a serious topic. It's not one to be taken lightly, and I surely don't. At the end of chapter four, Paul said, Which do you prefer? Do you want me to come with a sledgehammer? Or in a spirit of humility? And it's immediately after these questions that he addresses the issue of sexual <laughs> sin in the church. Lord, I come in humility this morning and in deep love for your people. And I pray that you will bless this time and speak to our hearts. May we glorify you with our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. When it comes to sex, when it comes to sex, the world has infiltrated the church rather than the church influencing the world and the world's thinking about matters like purity and modesty, and what is sin, and protecting the eye gate, and the proper definition of marriage, the world has influenced the church. The world says what happens between two consenting adults should be no one else's business. But the world is not the standard for the church. Our standard is holiness. 1 Peter 1 15 and 16 say this from the NIV. But just as he who called you is holy, that is God, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. As Christians, we've been called to holiness. But in the church at Corinth, the sexual Freedom that was rampant in the city had crept into the church. And Paul actually says the sin in the church would make the city blush. It would embarrass the pagans. My goal is uh, this morning to answer three questions. My goal is to answer three questions why? How? And where? As a Christian, why can't I have sex with whomever I want, whenever I want? How? How can I avoid sexual sin when it's all around me? We live in a highly sexualized society. It's all around How do I avoid it? And where? Where is God in all of this? If you are here for the first time, thank you for being here. The Lord has orchestrated your coming today. I don't know why, but I welcome you here. This is the type of message you're going to receive at Grace Church. Maybe not on the subject matter. But we're digging deep into the Word this morning. Understand that I'm addressing the Christian here. If you profess Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then this message is for you. In the first two verses of chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians, Paul addresses the issue of fornication in the church. The Greek word for fornication is pornea. Pornea. Sound familiar? It's where we get our word pornography from. As verse 1 suggests, the word covers all kinds of sexual immorality. Paul says there's sexual sin in the church. And it's the kind of sexual sin that's not even endorsed by the Gentiles. A man has taken his father's wife. The allegation is that a man in the church is having a sexual relationship with his stepmother. The Old Testament in the book of Leviticus calls this incest and it is punishable by death. Leviticus 18.8 Do not have sexual relations with your father's wife that would dishonor your father. Leviticus 20 verse 11 If a man sleeps with his father's wife He has dishonored his father, both the man and the woman must be put to death. So, incest is a violation of God's law. It is fornication, it is sexual sin, and it's a violation against God's law. It's also a violation of Roman law. That's what verse 1 means when Paul says it's not so much as named outside of the church. And verse verse 2 says, and you are puffed up. You are arrogant. I don't think this means they're proud of the sin. I don't think anyone's high-fiving this guy for his sin. Instead, as, as, as you recall... We've gone through four chapters of this letter to the Corinthians, and Paul accuses throughout these chapters that they're an arrogant group. He's saying, How can you have such an arrogant way about you when sin like this is happening in your midst? And you know about it. How can you be so arrogant? When this is happening, you should be grieving over this. You should be in mourning over having to address this type of sin in your fellowship. But instead, the Corinthians are being complacent and allowing this man's sin to go unjudged. Next week, we'll talk about uh, how Paul addresses church discipline in regard to this Sin, But for now, because I want, I'm doing this on purpose. Turn the page, we're going to chapter 6. I, I wanted all this to be in one week. I didn't want to have to preach incest and then at the end of chapter 6 hit sexual sin again. So it's, we're hitting it all in one message. Chapter 6 and verse 12. The Corinthians wanted to apply the truth of Christian liberty to sex. If there's no restriction for food, which is one appetite of the body, why should there be restrictions in sexual matters, which is another appetite of the body? Paul addresses that in at the end of chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. The mantra of the Corinthian church was this. All things are lawful for me. Everything is permissible in Christ. But Paul says there are two limitations to this. Two limitations to liberty. Number one, expediency. Is it beneficial? Is it helpful to the Lord and to others? If not, it should be avoided. Number two, self control. Am I enslaved by it? Liberty is forfeited when the believer becomes a slave to the sin. Galatians 5.13 says this, You are called to be free, but do not let this freedom become an excuse for letting your physical desires control you. Another mantra of the Corinthian church is found in verse 13: "Meats for the belly." And the belly for meats." Or food was created for the stomach. And stomach and the stomach was created for food." So enjoy your food. They're both going to be destroyed anyway paul says but the same equation does not work between the body and fornication or sexual immorality food for the stomach the stomach for food yes that's fine enjoy the body for sexual pleasure and the sexual and sexual pleasure for the body No matter the context, no. Instead, the body for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. This should be the Christian's mantra, this should be our slogan. If this is our slogan, then sexual sin is never a consideration, and we have victory. By the way, the body here is not just the physical body you see before you. You're you're so much more than an image in a mirror. Your body, as described in 1 Corinthians 6, is the entire person of you. It's all of you. Everything that makes up you. That's what Paul is talking about here. The stomach has a temporal use and will one day be destroyed. Verse 13. But the body, the person, will one day be raised and changed for eternity. Verse 14. The stomach and food, that's temporal. The body, you, are eternal. So we're heading into the why right now. Why can't I have sex with whomever I want, whenever I want? Look at verses 15 and 16 again. I have them written up here. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid! What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. Skipping to verses 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which you have of God? And you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Verses 15 and 16 say your body is a member of Christ. Sexual sin robs the Lord of what belongs to him. All throughout the Bible when it addresses the subject of marriage it talks about two becoming one flesh. Part of that becoming one is when a husband and his wife consummate their marriage by, by coming together in the sexual relationship. When a Christian joins himself or herself sexually in a sinful Sexual encounter that is outside of marriage between a husband and a wife. Everything else applies. When a Christian joins himself or herself sexually in a sinful sexual encounter, they are joining Christ sexually to the sin. Should this happen, God forbid, Paul writes, may this never be. The Christian cannot act without affecting Christ. This is true in anything, to include the area of sexual sin. Verses 19 and 20 say your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which resides in you. As a Christian, you have been purchased by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. There is no higher price that could have been paid for you. So you are no longer your own as a Christian. Therefore, Your body is not yours to give away. Your body is not yours to give away as a Christian. That's the answer to why. You've been bought with a price. Respect what belongs to the Lord. And honor Him with it. By the way, the same... Answer applies to husbands and wives in a different way. Look at these words from chapter 7. took some liberty to extend our study. Let the husband render unto his wife due benevolence. I think in the NIV it says, uh, let the husband perform his marital, marital duty to his wife. It's talking about the sexual relationship. Fulfill your wife sexually, husband. You have a responsibility to do it. King James terms that do benevolence. And likewise also the wife unto her husband. The wife does not have power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband doesn't have power over his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one the other. Husbands, your body does not belong to you. It belongs to your wife. So it's not yours to give away to anyone else. It's also not yours to withhold from your wife. And that goes for wives as well. Your body, wife. Belongs to your husband. And it's not yours to give away to another man. It's also not yours to withhold from your husband. Paul writes plainly to married couples do not deprive your spouse of sexual fulfillment. That's what this says in chapter 7. You have a responsibility to one another, fulfill one another sexually. Now, I don't mean this to be funny, but men, don't badger your wives about this when you get home today because there's grace here. Grace has to be involved here. Don't take advantage of this. The truth remains. For all Christians, your body is not your own. And it's therefore not yours to give away It either belongs to the Lord if you're single. It belongs to your spouse as a married person. So it's not yours to give away. Let me add something else here. The writer of Hebrews wrote these words. Marriage is honorable in all. And the marriage bed is undefiled. Only within the bond of marriage is the sexual relationship considered undefiled or not sinful. Only within the, se- in the uh, marriage relationship is sex not sin. Between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, as God directed. Even better. Even better than Hebrews. I'm going to turn to the Song of Solomon. These words may be familiar to some of you. I, I, the Song of Solomon is beautiful. It is, a, it is poetry, and it's beautiful, and it's, it's all about uh, a man, Solomon, and a woman who is the Shulamite girl who becomes his bride. It talks about their courtship, their wedding, Their wedding night and beyond. It is a wonderful book of poetry. uh, And if you're not familiar with it, uh, enjoy. Biblical scholars debate what I'm going to share right now. I think I'm right. I'm not a scholar. There are three speaking parts, for sure, in the Song of Solomon, okay? And if you're using the Bible under the seat in front of you, that's the position that that ESV takes. Three, there's Solomon, there's the Shulamite girl, of course, the bride, And then there's a a group of females, and whether they are, and they're described as the daughters of Jerusalem in chapter one. Whether they are um, part of the Shulamite girls, uh, maybe her bridesmaids, or part of Solomon's harem, or another group of friends. We can't say for sure, but there's a group of them, three speaking parts, one of which has a group of women, okay? Listen as I read the last verse in chapter four. Now, the courtship has happened, the wedding has happened, chapter four is the wedding night, okay? The wedding night is happening right now. And this is what she says, the bride says to Solomon. This is Bible, by the way. Awake, O north wind, and come thou south. Blow upon my garden that the spices thereof may flow out. Let my beloved come into his garden and eat his pleasant fruits. This is their wedding night, and she's saying, Let's go. (laughs) All right. I'm ready. We're married. It's time. Right? You got that. Chapter 5, verse 1. I am come into my garden. This is Solomon speaking. I am come into my garden, my sister, that's a term of endearment, my spouse. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. They have consummated their relationship. This is what Solomon says here. It has been done. It was wonderful. Here's the... Debate. The last words in verse 1 of chapter 5 are these. Eat, O friends. Drink. Yea, drink abundantly, O beloved. And in that ESV that you may be holding if you're using the Bible in front of you, It attributes those words to this group of women, the daughters of Jerusalem, which, and I can't remember, it might use the word others or friends or something like that. Here's my question. Does it make any sense that a group of women would be in the bedchamber on Solomon's wedding night Cheering him and his wife on? The answer is no. My perspective. Many others. Charles Ryrie, whom I respect deeply. Many others. These are the words of the Lord right here. This is where God interjects his blessing... On the married couple, I bless this union. Enjoy it. Only within the bond of marriage does God bless the sexual relationship. Only within the bond of marriage between one man and one woman does God bless the sexual relationship. And it happens here in the Song of Solomon, and it happens elsewhere. And suddenly I've just lost my spot. Pardon me for a moment. Here we go. So how? How can I avoid sexual sin when I'm surrounded by it? 1 Corinthians 6.17, if you're back in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17 says this, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. As a Christian, the Holy Spirit resides in you. That connection with the Spirit must be strengthened daily through Bible reading and meditation and prayer. Your connection to Him should be strong enough to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, one of which is self-control. So if it's not strong enough with His residing in you, you have a responsibility to build it up. Strengthen it. Sexual sin has a grip on people. Those of you who are addicted to pornography know this firsthand. Don't be fooled. Pornography is just as much sin as the actual behavior. Need I remind you of the words of Jesus? Matthew 5, 27 to 28. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Steve Salvis paraphrase. You've heard that it was said, do not commit sexual sin. But I tell you that anyone who looks at computer pornography... And the only reason they would do that is to lust after the image. Has already committed sexual sin with her and his heart. Oh, look what Job said. I have made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Why then should I look upon someone who's not my wife? With lustful eyes. If mine heart, skipping to verse 9 now, if mine heart has been deceived by a woman, or if I have laid weight at my neighbor's door, then let my wife grind unto another. Let others bow down upon her. Job says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here, that if I am lusting after other women, I, I should lose my wife. My wife should be given to someone else. To enjoy. And taken away from me. Protect the eye gate. Protect what you allow to enter into your mind. Sexual sin of any kind has a grip on people. It enslaves people. It actually changes behaviors and personalities. Compliant children who open this door become angry, moody, depressed. They often withdraw from Christian friends and from the church. Don't let sexual sin have a hold on you. In Exodus, Moses sang these words, The Lord is my strength. Let him be your strength in this. Let him be your strength. David said this, the Lord is the strength of my life. Let him be your strength. He resides in you already. Let him be your strength. You say, that's not enough. That's not enough. I'm way too far in. Paul says in verse 18, flee fornication. Sexual sin corrupts at the deepest human level. So run from it. Run. Listen, I plead with you right now not to put yourself in these situations. Don't put yourself in the situation to begin with so that you have to run years ago at a different church I taught a young adult Sunday school class and and one of the guys um, got a girl pregnant and he blamed it on the girl they're in his house without any supervision But his excuse was, she's all over me. What could I do? Don't put yourself in the position in the first place. What are you doing alone with her? I had a sledgehammer in my hand then. (laughs) (sighs) Blaming the girl for pregnancy is like blaming the computer for making you look at pornography. Don't put yourself in these situations. Avoid the possibility of sexual temptation. But if you take every precaution, every precaution is taken, and still you find yourself in a bad situation, Paul literally says, be a Joseph and flee. When Joseph was seduced by Potiphar's wife in Genesis 39, he literally fled. He ran. And that's the idea that Paul has in mind in verse 18. Get out of there. Just get out. I'm being serious here now. I strongly encourage you young men, when sexual temptation strikes, whether it's in the form of a girl or a computer... Take a run, or go to the gym, or do some yard work, or do any form of physical exercise that will burn off that passion, but flee fornication. Get out of there. How can I avoid sexual sin? The how. Strengthen your connection with the Lord, number one. Flee, literally, head in the other direction, number two. And number three, 1 Corinthians 7 again, look at verses verse 2 and then verses 8 and 9. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication. Paul, before he gets to this point, Paul says, I'd prefer you not get married. I'd prefer you remain single because your whole thought, everything in you is, is committed to the Lord. You don't have this earthly distraction that a married person has. But if you can't contain yourself sexually. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, to avoid sexual sin, let every man have his own wife. And let every woman have her own husband. I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I, that is single. But if they cannot contain, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn, and that's to burn with passion, to wrestle constantly with this. So how can I avoid sexual sin? If it's a struggle, get married. Get married. What are you waiting for? If it's a struggle, get married. It's okay. The Bible, as a matter of fact, says in Proverbs 18, he who finds a wife finds what is good. And receives favor from the Lord. You don't have to remain single to prove a point. If it's a struggle, get married. It's that easy. We're getting late. I apologize. But I'm going to finish. Where is God in all of this? Where is God in all of this? He's where he's always been. In the same chapter where the writer of Hebrews said marriage is honorable in all, he writes these words in the next verse, for he that is God has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. If you are truly a Christian but struggling with sexual sin of any kind, God Has not left you. And he won't leave you. If you're truly a Christian, now I could go into the willful carnal and the debate about flaunting sin. I'm not doing that. But just because God hasn't left you and will not leave you doesn't mean that you have a license to continue in sin. As a matter of fact, it should strengthen your resolve to honor Him and to glorify Him with your body. The last verse in chapter 6 says, Therefore, honor God, glorify God with your body. Look, there may need to be some confession here today. There may need to be some forgiveness here today. I mentioned Landover Hills Baptist Church. Um, There was a girl in my youth group, uh, there there was a girl in the youth group uh, who I was older. uh, Her sister was in the youth group when I was in, but once I was out, I was in college. uh, Her sister came up and into the youth group, and she uh, got pregnant. And um, her dad was a deacon in the church, The, the family was devastated. And mortified. I will never forget one Sunday evening. Soon after everybody started to know. At the end of the message she walked forward. It was a red carpeted aisle. And met the pastor with her parents. And turned and confessed her sin to the church. Public sin. Everyone was going to know. No one ever would have known, but she got pregnant. Public sin. Public confession. Private sin. Private confession. Can I tell you, the response of the church was incredible. There were hugs and tears and prayers. It, it was that girl thrived through her pregnancy and honored the Lord. 30 years later, she's married to a pastor who is the dad of that child who months later came up himself and confessed his sin before the church. It was amazing. Maybe that needs to happen here. I'm not doing an altar call. I'm not asking for that. But maybe that needs to happen here. Maybe there needs to be confession and forgiveness and reconciliation with the Lord. Two more things. And then we'll close. This Saturday... At our Father's house, I apologize, I don't have the address up here, I apologize for that. But this Saturday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., if you are interested, if you are interested, Trey and Melody LaVorne will be at the church giving their testimony. Restoring sexual integrity is the title of the day. Trey was addicted to sexual sin. And sinned against his wife deeply. And they ended up divorced. Years later, through confession of sin and God's grace and victory in his life, they remarried. And they now go to churches telling their story. If you're interested, if you need the address, please see me. I'll find it. I apologize, it's not up here. This Saturday, 9 to 4. And lastly, the weekend to remember is November 9 to 11. This is for married couples. It's also for engaged couples. The sexual relationship is covered at this weekend event. They do it very tastefully. It's very well done. Uh, The uh, group name you can sign up for is Grace Waldorf. Grace Waldorf, you get $100 off admission. It's November 9 through 11. I invite you to come. I'll be there with my wife, Dennis, and Kathy, and others in the church. We'll be there. I invite you to come. We do not have time to close with a song. Courtney, I want to ask you guys to sing us out. Okay, I'm going to pray. You guys can come, set up, and sing us out. I sincerely thank you for your attention. I will tell you, Uh, This was a tough week as I put this together. This was a tough week for me. So thank you for your attention and your grace. Let's bow our heads and pray, and then you're dismissed. Lord, the word has been shared. Do with it what you will, please. But I know your will is that we honor you with holy lives. And that we avoid any kind of sexual sin. May our hearts receive the message, and may you be pleased in Jesus' name, amen. If you would like prayer, you're welcome to come forward. Have a great day. Thank you.